Welcome to Speaking of Travel with Marilyn Ball. Sit back and be carried away to places around the world and right here in our own backyard. No passport required. Hi, this is Marilyn Ball, and you're listening to Speaking of Travel right here on News Radio 570 WWNC 880 and 92.9 The Revolution. And be sure to visit the Speaking of Travel website. That's speakingoftravel.net. You can join the Speaking of Travel Travel Club. We're going to have a lot of exciting things going on in 2018. There's a lot in store when you're part of the Travel Club. That's speakingoftravel.net. Hey, big news out today. The Asheville Regional Airport. Allegiant Air is adding a non-stop flight to Denver. How about that, Colorado fans? Denver, Colorado non-stop from Asheville beginning in May. I am really excited. I can tell you I'm going to be heading out that way, do a little Rocky Mountain High, if you know what I mean. So, if you're looking for a place that is your home in Asheville, be sure to visit my friends over at Appalachian Realty. That's AppalachianRealty.com. They can really help you out. And remember, you can listen anywhere, anytime in the whole wide world on your free iHeartRadio app. Well, today we're beginning our Speaking of Travel Climate Listening Project Series 2018, and I couldn't be more excited. I'm here with Dana Ruggiero. Every month, Dana is going to join me in the studio, and we're going to be featuring some guest experts connecting climate change and travel. And today we're going to be speaking about climate change, travel, words, poetry with our good friend, Laura Hope Gills. Welcome both of you to the show. And Dana, I am a little remiss that I didn't say the Climate Listening Project, Dana Ruggiero, because that's your thing, right? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm so happy to be here and to be doing this series with you, Marilyn. I love speaking of travel, and it was such an honor and pleasure to share some stories from across the country and around the world last year with some special guests. And this year, we have some exciting new stories to tell. I'll tell you what, you know, 2018 is getting off to a really great start, and I'm so excited about our series that we're going to do every month moving forward and bring in some guests like Laura here and, you know, and really kind of piece together what's going on with travel and climate change and science and, you know, to bring the element of poetry and words into the whole equation is is really meaningful. And Laura, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you for being here. I'm delighted to be here on a snowy morning in March. I'll tell you what. <laughs> so you, you, Dane and Laura, are working together um, to share the impacts of industry on poetry. Uh, I want to hear more about that, like the natural world and fitting in with the words and just let's get a little overview from you both on on what even started all of this conversation. Yeah, you know, last time that I was here, we had a chance to cover agritourism, ecotourism, and sustainable tourism. And, you know, something that has been 
interesting to me is following the different connections that that climate change, you know, brings people together in different ways. And poetry is something that is just, you know, so inspiring. It connects so many different people. But something that I learned from actually speaking with Laura and listening to Laura is that more people used to be connected by poetry before the Industrial Revolution that are not being connected now. And so she's hosting an event called WordFest that is in April in Asheville, North Carolina, that I'm excited to be speaking at. We're also working together to share stories through film at WordFest. Laura, tell us a little bit more about what I've learned from you around the impacts of climate change and industry on poetry. It was so wonderful to be able to talk about this with you when we were filming a climate listening project segment. And I have been always curious to know, why does everybody hate poetry? (laughs) Why does everybody roll their eyes? And I actually, you know, went to speaking with a scholar at an educational institution in our region And they asked what degree I had. I said, well, I have a Master of Fine Arts in Poetry. And this person who is in an educational institution said, oh, I'm sure you're glad you got that one. And it was this remarkable dismiss of the most important thing to me. And um, Albert Einstein writes in Ideas and Opinions that the fine arts are superior to science, but I can't explain why. And... I loved that sentence when I was definitely in graduate school getting my MFA, but I've always, I've always faced the eye roll. Um, on 9-11, we saw Ted Koppel on Nightline interview Dr. Maya Angelou, and Dr. Maya Angelou was saying, everybody's grieving today. Everybody knew somebody who knows somebody in those towers today. This is a time to turn inward to grow with our communities. And Ted Koppel interrupted her and said, now time for a more realistic perspective. And the camera flipped immediately to a general. And there were all the badges and the ribbons. And we know how the world has proceeded from that moment. And I watched that and I thought, well, that is the problem, isn't it? We are cherishing our weapons and our science and our um, politics, but we are not cherishing our grieving, our introspection, and our love of metaphor. So where's that coming from? And I have always cherished the romantic poets. And again, romantic, I get called a romantic like it's a bad thing. And it hurts. It's like, well, wait a second. Do you know what that means? It means I cherish the emotions and I cherish nature and I cherish mythos. And I can also put words together in a way that will help you see those things too. And the divide uh, occurs back in Sir Isaac Newton's time. (laughs) And um, Sir Isaac Newton, he only allowed himself to publish what um, he could prove. But he had a whole lot of stuff that he didn't publish and hundreds of pages. And those pages now are distributed among different universities in Isaac Newton projects. 
And um, but because he only allowed himself to publish what he could prove, people really got onto the scientific method bandwagon. And they're like, well, let's begin with this bottom-down knowledge of let's prove something from the bottom up. But when they found his trunks, they opened them all up. They found all these papers that were top-down knowledge. They were ideas. They were ancient papers. There were um, conversations about mysteries and magic and metaphor. Um, he translated the Emerald Tablet, which is the cornerstone of hermetic alchemy, which is the opposite of the scientific method and is the very thing that we in eighth grade physical science were taught is the um, thing that real chemistry took the place of. But that Al at the front of chemi, um, alchemistry is God, is spirit. And so God chemistry was the thing that Sir Isaac Newton was following. But um, so after that, though, the essay becomes the dominant form of discourse. And we all, yes, yeah, sorry, I'm chattling on. Aren't I? <laughs> and, the, um, and then um, poetry starts to fall by the wayside, but it's also in the age of reason and enlightenment that we start getting machinery and we start getting industrialization. And we have these um, poets off in the woods writing these beautiful poems to remind people moving to the city that all of these things that industrialization are promising you are not the things you need and they're not the things that sustain us. And poetry had to be quieted down and mocked. Because you can't love the forest and nature at that same time of loving industry. We can't open our minds to industry if we're wanting to cherish nature and the forest and romanticizing our relationship with nature. So there's a disconnect there. And so the way that people talk about that is so interesting to me. And all of these different experts that are coming into town for WordFest, you know, will be talking about that in different ways. Our connection with the earth and our connection with words. Connection, that is such a huge part of where we need to be globally, nationally, regionally, and right here in our own backyard. Hi, this is Tina Kinsey, and I'm with Asheville Regional Airport, and I've got a travel tip for you today. It's important to be a savvy traveler, understand the difference between different airlines' products. If you need to arrive at your destination on a certain day by a certain time, you may want to consider planning your flight arrival for the day before you need to be there. Air travel can always be delayed or canceled due to so many reasons, such as weather or mechanical issues. The airlines will certainly honor your ticket and get you rebooked as soon as possible, but remember, every airline is different. Some airlines have frequent flights every day, but other airlines may only fly a couple of days every week, so their ability to rebook you can vary. The bottom line, plan for flexibility. Airlines do their best to manage unforeseen situations, but they can't magically produce another plane and seats on that plane to accommodate every issue. So, let's say you've got a cruise booked. Don't rely on an airline to deliver you to the city port just hours before your cruise time. Plan your trip to arrive the day before. Then, if something unforeseen happens, you still have time to go to Plan B. It's just smart planning. 
All this said, the good news is that airlines operate on time most of the time. Any real estate company's success is a reflection of its attention and care provided to its clients. Appalachian Realty Associates are proven to have the best agents around. And if you're looking for a place in Asheville and Western North Carolina, they'll help you find properties as unique as you are. Visit them at AppalachianRealty.com or at their welcoming bungalow office on Arlington Street near downtown. Appalachian Realty, helping people call Asheville home since 1979. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. Let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. Speaking of travel is brought to you by the Asheville Regional Airport, Appalachian Realty, and my good friends over at Ola Carolina Magazine. So, Dana, Laura, I love having you in the studio today. It's really um, very moving, Laura, what you were saying about Sir Isaac Newton, very moving to me. Uh, I think it's important for people to to make that connection. And, and connection really is what we're talking about, the connection of, of sustainability, of uh, the climate, you know, what's, what the human population is capable of doing, undoing, mm-hmm. redoing. Undoing. It seems to be this pattern that continues through through generations. Yes. You know, with the Climate Listening Project, I follow those connections. And I think that, you know, facts and science and, and these things are so important. And so I weave the science with the stories. But we have to give space for people to tell their stories. Um, and so from Laura, just learning um, through our conversations that not only has industry, the fossil fuel industry, impacted the climate change that we're seeing today, created this accelerated climate change and the impacts um, that we're seeing today, but it also created a disconnect connect between us and the stories that we are allowed to tell, you know, and my new series, The Story We Want, I called it that because everybody has a right to tell their story. You know, everybody has a right to share the story that they want to tell, because if we don't have an opportunity to tell our stories, history will be written by others and, you know, told by somebody else. And so we all have a right to tell our story in what in different ways and poetry, you know, is one way that we used to really connect with nature and with our earth as we are a part of our earth. And so Laura and I will be at WordFest. Laura, of course, has organized WordFest, and I will be speaking there on April 15th, doing something fun and creative with Laura, and also be filming there. Um, and the the idea around WordFest this year is Earth, People, and Words, the Science, Soul, and Art in Conversation. What I love about your work with the Climate Listening Project is it allows space for us to see the faces of the human beings that are living at this time. One of the poets that will be at WordFest is John Lane, who directs the Sustainability Studies Program at Wofford College. And he has a book called The Anthropocene Blues. And here we are in the Anthropocene and making a real mess of it. And we're all terrified or in utter denial, 
which is another right. <laughs> which is another form of terror altogether. And it's we don't have a language for what we've done. We don't have a language for what we're feeling right now. And your projects, every time you show a film, we expand that language and we see utter fear paired with remarkable action. Yes. And that's metaphor in real life, changing things, changing shape. And these women that are working against the poisoning of their water in their community and using faith to do this, using community to do this, using friendship as a force of change. This is poetry and action. Ah, I love that. <laughs> I love how you're bringing in people from around the world and you've traveled around the world to to seek out these poets and these storytellers. Yes, and I'm really happy to be bringing the Flying Scotsman over as a sailor. Marilyn will catch the reference. Um, these are um, Norman Bissell is the executive director of the Scottish Centre for Geopoetics. And Alistair McIntosh draws on geopoetics to write his books on spiritual ecology. He is a spiritual activist. He is a figure who gets invited by NATO to do month-long residencies on nonviolence, and he works with the Irish military to do nonviolence conversations. And when I word got out that I was bringing him here, I don't even know how, really how word got out that he, I was bringing him here, but scholars from Wake Forest and Chapel Hill and Duke and College of Charleston have all arranged for him to speak there afterward. <laughs> and so he's this vast international voice that yet we in the States haven't heard of, and uh, or many of us had not heard of. I had not um, was not aware of him. And he stayed in my cottage. I rented a cottage and he needed a room for this conference on geopoetics I attended in Scotland, way, way, way out west on one of the wee little islands. And it was one of the slate islands. So everything is that dark gray and the orange kelp contrasting with it and the charcoal sea. And um, he is deaf, like I am deaf. We rely on hearing aids. So whenever we were alone together, we didn't talk. We gave each other the gift of silence. And hence, I had no idea who the heck I was talking with, <laughs> who I was getting honored to spend time with. And um, since then, he gave, I, I've, read, I've read his books and I've brought him over here and I'm bringing Nori as well to introduce geopoetics. And it's grounded in Scotland and uh, yet it has now spaces in Montreal, Buenos Aires, Santiago, Geneva, these pockets of geopoetics. In geopolitics, we look at land not as political territories. We look at land as spaces for projects to be created. And this is what you're doing with climate listening project. You've been over to Belize recently, and everywhere you go, you find the story of the place. I love the idea of being in Scotland and enjoying the silence and just being there with nature and with each other and seeking out the stories around ecology. I love Ireland. I've not been to Scotland. But come with me. <laughs> I think we'll all come with you, Laura. Why don't you just plan on a little trip with... Um, we'll go on a surveying the... Um, like word for journey. Let's do. I yeah. think that would be awesome. I've never been to Scotland either, mm. and I've just heard 
of course, and seen photos of such a beautiful place and such a beautiful people. Yeah. Now, is that your heritage? It is. It is. I'm um, one of the grandchildren of... Bonnie Prince Charlie and um, my cottage was right on right over the bridge from this little tiny stone building that had been there since the 1600s and it was where during um, after Culloden where the um, Highlanders would return where the Highlanders would return from Britain and put their kilts back on oh. they weren't allowed to wear their kilts back over on the other other place and um, I I had a moment when I arrived. I was told that my bed and breakfast, my my um, like Airbnb equivalent key, would be at the hotel across the road from my cottage. And here in the states, you know, when they say oh, that'll be at the hotel, you don't really think that the hotel's going to close. But it did, and I got there too late, and I didn't get a, I didn't get my key. And nobody was in the hotel except the people that were sleeping. And so I just let the taxi go. And um, was walking around pitch dark. It was the solstice, and there's no lights on in the houses. There's only like four little houses I can see, and I don't really feel like going up and waking anyone up. So I found a house that I thought was the cottage I'd rented, <laughs> <laughs> and I um they had a potting shed. <laughs> so I I just um spread out all of my clothes from my knapsack and um, slept on them until about two and then it was freezing cold and so I went for a walk to warm up and then put on all the clothes and I woke up in the morning and um, didn't want to be lying there anymore and I had hours before who knows who would show up and I walked and I followed this footpath and it led me right to the sea and there I was facing the Scottish Isles and I also have Isle of Man, I'm also Manx and I have... um, I, there I was, I was really, I was just hundreds of miles from Isle of Man, and here I was, I'd walked to the sea, and it was, I was home, you know? Oh, what That's a, a beautiful story, and a beautiful, <laughs> you know, I mean, it really wraps up everything that we're talking about here, the 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 land, the words, the beautiful stories, that we all own these stories, and we share, and we're allowed to share our stories. So thank you for sharing your stories, Laura Hope Gill and Dana Ruggiero here on Speaking of Travel. I'm Marilyn Ball. With 50 flights every day to and from cities like Atlanta, Charlotte, and Chicago, you can fly to hundreds of worldwide destinations with one easy connection. Choose Allegiant, American, Delta, or United right here from Asheville Regional Airport. And when you fly home, you're home. Asheville Regional Airport. Take the easy way out. Any real estate company's success is a reflection of its attention and care provided to its clients. Appalachian Realty Associates are proven to have the best agents around. And if you're looking for a place in Asheville and Western North Carolina, they'll help you find properties as unique as you are. Visit them at AppalachianRealty.com or at their welcoming bungalow office on Arlington Street near downtown. Appalachian Realty, helping people call Asheville home since 1979. As newcomers flock to Asheville over the last 50 years, they join with locals to breathe new energy into the city. 
Marilyn Ball traces the bonds of community that give rise to Asheville today in her book, The Rise of Asheville, an exceptional history of community building. It's available at Malaprops, Barnes & Noble, Loft on Broadway, and Amazon.com. Your business trip shouldn't start with a road trip. Hundreds of global destinations are just one connection away. Starting at Asheville Regional Airport. Fly Allegiant, American, Delta, and United. Asheville Regional Airport, your local connection to the world. Visit flyavl.com to plan your next trip. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. Let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words, We're driving down the Gourmet Highway with our good friend Doc Lawrence. Doc is a veteran journalist, a published author, TV producer, and an enthusiastic wine commentator. And he's here with us live today from Charleston, South Carolina, one of my favorite destinations with so much history and culture. Welcome, Doc. Hello, Marilyn. I'm in Charleston, South Carolina, and I really wish you were here. I know this is one of your favorite places, too. This is the home of Captain Rhett Butler, the great smuggler and bon vivant of Gone with the Wind. And this is one of those towns where you walk everywhere. Don't take a taxi here. You walk. It's the birthplace of she-crab soup, that great concoction prepared and served at George Washington's inaugural dinner. It's the home of one of my favorite people, the grand dame of Southern cooking, the divine Natalie Dupree. Ms. Dupree pioneered cooking shows on PBS and is the author of over 20 cookbooks. Restaurants dot every corner here. Husk, McGrady's, the Peninsula Grill, and countless others like Pugin's Porch that might just serve the best lunch in the South. Parks, sidewalks, street vendors are everywhere. Hey, is that Stephen Colbert up just around the corner? This is the home of the Spoleto Festival and the Charleston Food and Wine Festival. It's home of the Citadel, Pat Conroy's alma mater. And the Civil War started here with the bombing of Fort Sumter. If you're into Southern cooking, fine wine and powerful cocktails, Charleston awaits you. You already know that, Marilyn. This city is waiting just for you. It's a city where good manners are de rigueur. And yes, everybody here opens doors for the ladies. I love to stay in the old hotels here, the Francis Marion, the Charlestonian, and countless B&Bs. They're expensive, but you know you get what you pay for. Tonight I'm headed to the Peninsula Grill, and after low country cuisine with fine wine, I'm going to have a slice of that world-famous 12-layer coconut cake prepared by their pastry chef and world-renowned. Yum, yum. Well, Marilyn, it's time for old Doc to move on. It's been fun being here, and Charleston awaits you and beckons for your presence. I wish I could live here. I could do it, and I'd do it in a heartbeat. I might even get a part-time job to help pay for the expenses of living well here. But that's enough of the Gourmet Highway today. This is Doc Lawrence for Speaking of Travel with Marilyn Ball, saying so long for now. Thanks, Doc. I am longing for some of that she-crab soup and mm-mm, that 12-layer coconut cake. Yum, yum. See you next week on the Gourmet Highway. 
So, Laura, when you woke up in that potting shed and you walk down and there's the ocean and you see you're seeing the Isle of Man, your your ancestral place. <laughs> what did that feel like? Like, give me an idea of what was going on in your heart and soul right then. It was, I, I was seeing the water that would take me to Isle of Man if I had a little dinghy and drifted long enough. I was looking at the Scottish, the out, the inner Hebrides. And this is why we need poetry. We've often experienced, I want to take, I want to photograph that full moon. And we take our little iPhones out onto the porch and we photograph the full moon and we're like, it's a white dot on a black screen. (laughs) What we're trying to capture is the feeling of that full moon. We're trying to capture that. So to tell the story, poetry is why we need that, because it was the way that the kelp was washing up on the waves, and it was the dampness of the stones that I sat on, and it was the cows that were grazing on the rocks next to the sea and the old boat on 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 the little stones. And it was all of it, plus memory, plus time, all woven together. And there's something in poetry that holds us to the land and holds us to our emotions where we don't have to divide the two. And this is our critical hope for moving through what we're moving through, honoring our place, growing art out of our place, and feeling connected emotionally to one another and emotionally to the earth. Well, Scotland is a very spiritual uh, destination, for sure. Tell us a little bit about being there for the solstice. Mm-hmm. Mm. I will. I I was so flustered with travel that I didn't notice it was the solstice until I was a, you know, awake in my potting shed freezing and writing because I had enough battery power in my iPhone to write. Um, that was, I think, the power of it was our mythos, uh, our inner mythology moves us into where we're supposed to be when we're about to experience deep change. And it was a sea change for me being there. I was a listener. I went there to learn about geopoetics. I'd been connected with them for seven years. And I felt that's a, that's a term that we need uh, poesis is the core of it. It doesn't. Um, it means to create, and it's a medical term: erythropoiesis, hemopoiesis, the creation of blood. And our w- beloved Wendell Berry writes of this: how analysis has been our dominant form, but poiesis is what will help us survive. And so this was a conference on poiesis and Earth together, and there were geologists. There were historians, ethnographers, a member of parliament, the president of the University of the Highlands and Islands, and poets, storytellers, and forestry. (laughs) It was all of these people there to express the earth. And we took day trips out to a wee little island across the across the water, a little boat with the cutest dog on it. And um, it was an island that its sole export is is slate. And about a hundred years ago, a great big wave came and washed everybody off the island, and there were no survivors. And now there's life on the island again, and there are little wheelbarrows by the boat place because there are no cars. So people take their (laughs) groceries and the wheelbarrows along these little slate pathways, and 
I, I, I found it um, so moving to see small communities, period. I mean, small communities doing well. Also, there was this train ride from Glasgow to Oban, and that was the day just before the solstice. And do you ever have those feelings where this is more than a train ride? This is more than uh, more than the pieces. It's more than the parts. And that's another thing poetry always gives us, that it's greater than the the whole. And there were castles, you know, you're like riding along and you look and you're going along this lake and there's this old ruined castle and the sky was so blue. And it was the long, a long train ride. I never wanted it to end. It's like I could just stay on this train forever. That's what it was like. <laughs> I mean, I can see what you're saying. We can visualize through poetry and experience the shared experience together, even though I wasn't there, even though we all the listeners weren't there. That's what the Climate Listening Project is all about. It's not just me going out and listening, but it's sharing those stories through video so that others might listen to. And poetry... I mean, without the visuals, provides that through words, through storytelling. Um, and we need that. We need that hope right now in the time of climate change. We definitely do. And and sharing the stories, feeling that hope. And, uh, and Dana, I, I have to tell you this quick little story. But after our segment on the Wood Thrush Project, yes. I received a voicemail message from a woman who had listened and was so moved. And she said it was the most beautiful story she had heard. And she just wanted to thank me for having you on the show Mm -hmm. and sharing your story of creating that documentary and sharing the Wood Thrush Project with all of us. Thank you so much. I just learned this week that they are creating a school curriculum. The Wood Thrush Connection story will continue to be shared. I am so glad to hear that, and I'm getting ready as soon as it thaws out to plant my seeds. Oh, good. So they will come to my yard. Your business trip shouldn't start with a road trip. Hundreds of global destinations are just one connection away. Starting at Asheville Regional Airport, fly Allegiant, American, Delta, and United. Asheville Regional Airport, your local connection to the world. Visit flyavl.com to plan your next trip. Any real estate company's success is a reflection of its attention and care provided to its clients. Appalachian Realty Associates are proven to have the best agents around. And if you're looking for a place in Asheville and Western North Carolina, they'll help you find properties as unique as you are. Visit them at AppalachianRealty.com or at their welcoming bungalow office on Arlington Street near downtown. Appalachian Realty, helping people call Asheville home since 1979. Latino buying power is huge and rising fast. If you want to tap into this new market, then connect by advertising in Ola Carolina Magazine. This glossy Spanish-language magazine is published monthly and reaches over 70,000 Spanish-speaking residents in Western North Carolina. Ola Carolina Magazine is about much more than just speaking Spanish. It's about Latino culture. Visit OlaCarolina.com and transform how you attract, engage, and connect with Latino customers. Fly me to the moon. 
Let me play among the stars And let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars In other words Remember, you can listen anywhere, anytime in the whole wide world on your free iHeartRadio app. And be sure to visit the Speaking of Travel website. That's speakingoftravel.net. And you can find past podcasts and listen to all the great stories. We're talking about stories and travel and climate and Words and poetry here with Dana Rogera and Laura Hopes Gill. It's so great to have you both right here in the studio. I'm just feeling this really powerful women energy right now. You know, it just feels good. And you're both doing such strong, meaningful, and, and powerful work. And I'm just so honored and proud to, to be a part of it and to have a platform here to talk about it and and let other people know because it's all about the sharing. Thank you. Your listening project with Speaking of Travel is important. You know, you're connecting so many people with amazing individuals that are traveling the world, able to share their stories. And that introduces people to new opportunities and ideas that, you know, maybe they hadn't even thought of before. Places they could go, experiences that they could have, people that we can meet. And, you know, I'm really excited about WordFest and in, in collaborating with Laura on WordFest with the Climate Listening Project. I'll be there. And the event is April 12th through 15th. And WordFest really provides the opportunity, you know, to further the conversation among our scientists, poets, and storytellers, drawing us together in the shadow of the text that binds us, the earth. The event is full of workshops, presentations, and performances aimed at inspiring interdisciplinary thought and discussion around the earth, people, and words, connecting science, soul, and the art of conversation. I am so excited about this, and I'm excited to be filming and working on sharing stories from WordFest. I'm so thrilled just to be working with you. I'd work with, I'd work for, work with you on like a Lifesavers commercial. And, um, but I love that we're working together to amplify this conversation among of groups that are all talking about the same things, but we're using different lexicons and we've been separated from each other through, oh, you're a science person. Oh, you're an art person. You, there's no way you can do both. We can all do both and we all must do both. I think that's the secret to solving this puzzle that we've been handed <laughs> and that we've created. Um, and we will have... Um, Who's having this conversation? We have Elizabeth Bradfield. She's coming down from Providence. She's at, she's on faculty at Brandeis. All of this is happening at Lenore Rhine University in Asheville. We have this beautiful space at 36 Montford Avenue. And, um, she has been going down to Antarctica mm. and witnessing and photographing and writing and studying the glaciers. And these are like, Elegies. They could be seen as elegies if we're not careful. And she's written two books of poems about these. And she has another um, about watching nature. And it is how scientists view nature uh, in 
expressed in poetry, and scientists feel the same awe that poets do. And like my stepdad, he worked for fish and wildlife and saved the rivers east of the Ohio, and he's so passionate about it. He was offered a job working under Al Gore, and he said, "No, but then I'd have to leave the rivers." Ah, yes. You know, it's like the soul of the scientist has been neglected, and it deserves to be healed. And so Elizabeth Bradfield, John Lane are figures that can do this, that are doing this work. We also have Sean Hill, who writes these, he writes letters, um, we call them epistolary poems, letters to the earth, letters to animals, letters to plants. And what would you say to these and we're also, um, Liz is going to be talking about how do, Elizabeth is going to be speaking about how do we speak to and about nature in ways that aren't damaging nature, aren't, um, to use that really bad word, romanticizing, and, um, but as encounter at the level of beholding and at the level of we are a part of you, nature. We are not separate from you. And this is what scientists are feeling when they're making their discoveries and when they're making their observations. They're feeling empathy with nature. But that side of them, we don't get, we don't, they don't get it celebrated, but here, let's, it's time to celebrate it. Yes. It's time to flow open, fly open. If there was ever divide. a time to celebrate it, yeah. it is now. Yeah, so this is reaching out across that divide. And geopoetics allows for space. It has the rigor of research in all fields, blended with the invention of poesis and the invitation of the soul to participate in our studies. And everyone is invited to this event. Yes. You know, I just realized something. Both of you have been inspired by our beautiful nature here in the Blue Ridge Mountains to write about that, haven't yeah. you? You've yes. both written different books. books. Yeah, we're about historians. This beautiful yeah. area. Words that will go down in history. What? That that share the love that people have for this area and the beauty of this area and as you it know, changes and yes, changes. As everything does. Yes. And that's what I think is so uh, powerful about the work that you're both doing, Dana and Laura, the the changes and the effects and the the bridging, uh, yes. what you're doing, bridging, and what you're doing too, Dana, of, you know, bringing so many different segments of, um, of the globe. And I think that's something that I'm hearing throughout this conversation is this is, these are global, these are human. Mm-hmm. We're talking humanity. We are. Yeah. And we're talking culture too, because as, we have um, some Celtic scholars coming as well. We have the lead Celtic scholar, Michael Newton, who advised Diana Gabaldon on High Outlander. Outlander series. <laughs> and it's his, his Gaelic is the Gaelic that we hear. And um, talking about how uh, Wordfest is, has always been multicultural. We've always held space for the whole world in one festival. And this time we're actually going to take a little look at whiteness and how did whiteness become so separated from indigenousness yeah. and the pathway back to what is true Celticity and can can that be claimed in Appalachia and how far removed. So, because there's a psychohistorical damage that's been done and continues to be played out 
in on our planet and between our communities. So we're also adding this psychocultural, eco-climate. That's only poetry can hold that much stuff in it. I love that. But I want to make sure that people know how they can get more information. Yeah. Um, Folks can watch any of the Climate Listening Project videos. They're all available online at climatelisteningproject.org. And people can find out more information about WordFest at avlwordfest.com. And tell us again when the dates are for that. I have WordFest starting on April 12th because I'm partnering with UNCA to bring Joy Harjo. And she's perf- she's the Creek Nation poet. She's tremendous. She'll be at UNCA on the 12th. And you can find out about that at UNCA events. The rest of WordFest is going to begin the next day at Malaprops at 5 p.m. with the launch of Alistair McIntosh's Poacher's Pilgrimage, a book about his walk across the Isle of Lewis, which is also Donald Trump's mother's home island. So it goes into the history of that family as well. Fascinating. It really is. It's a tremendous book. It's been in print for decades in Scotland, and it's just we're launching it for the American publication. What is his name? Alistair? Alistair McIntosh. McIntosh. I just love that. It's, He's it's, just he to probably me, that says just, that in a really good way, too. I'm thinking Macintosh. that. He is wonderful. I mentioned it to somebody, another geopoetics uh, professor in, up, up, at, um, up in Philadelphia. And she says, Alistair's going to Duke? You know, it was, he's, he's, a, he's, he's a real deal. He's a real Highlander. And um, then we're going to go to a reading at, of local poets, Elizabeth Mead. We have... Um, Mildred Berea from Uganda. She's at UNCA. We have Nicole Townsend reading and uh, at 8 o'clock at Lenore Rhine. And then the next day starts at 9.30 with keynotes from the Geopoetics director, Alice, um, Nori Bissell and Alistair talking about their work in Scotland. And then a whole day of workshops that are touch on everything. Also workshops for middle schoolers and high schoolers. So see the, see the, see the festival schedule. Um, I have a requested price for events, but then I have a donation button right underneath it because I wish I could give everything away for free. And But we do need to support our artists and we need to support we poets. Do. So. I, I love that because, you know, you talked about indigenous storytelling. And when I've listened to indigenous people in the past, they call it storytelling, telling their truth. And so we invite everybody to come out to Asheville Word Fest, not only to listen to these stories, but to be inspired to tell their stories as well and to tell their truth. Well, thank you both for being on the show today and and talking stories, talking Word Fest, talking climate, climate change, all of it. It's just such a beautiful thing. I've been very moved. Thank you both. Thank you, Marilyn. Congratulations on WordFest and congratulations to you, Dana, for all your (laughs) accolades and things that are going on. I look forward to seeing you next month here on the Climate Listening Project series on Speaking of Travel. This is Marilyn Ball. I want you to go out and have a great week. Think about some poetry yourself. Look at the land. Look at where your feet are, because that's where you are. And remember, don't postpone joy. 